Welcome to another brand new episode of the Story Bar podcast. Just yesterday, we got to know that hundreds of migrant workers are fleeing Indian cities and heading home. New restrictions in some states to contain the second wave of pandemic have stoked fears that they will be left jobless again. How has the lockdown in 2020 been for these workers? Are we looking at a painful and heartbreaking repetition of the migrant crisis last year in India? We have with us today Siddharth Prakash. He's a development economist and the founder of Daily Wage Worker Platform, an NGO supporting India's 450 million migrant workers with access to food security, healthcare and livelihoods. Siddharth has over 20 years of experience in health systems, pharmaceuticals, intellectual property, pricing, reimbursement, innovative business models and access to medicines. He has worked with international organizations such as the WTO, WHO and the World Bank. Further, Siddharth has extensively worked in Asia and Africa on public-private partnerships and facilitated dialogue on policy options for universal health coverage. We will try to understand the myriad layers surrounding the migrant crisis in this conversation today. Do visit dailywageworker.com to learn more about the platform and the difference it is making in the lives of migrant workers. Your support is valuable. Don't forget to leave ratings and comments for the Story Bar podcast on Apple, Spotify and Google. Welcome to the podcast Siddharth. How are you doing today? good thanks karima thank you so much for joining me siddharth and uh, yet again we have something very important to discuss today that is the migrant situation in india and to begin with i would like to understand a bit about yourself and uh, your organization daily wage workers platform uh thanks karima so i am a development economist based in geneva and about a year back when the lockdown started in india we saw that you know there was a lot of suffering taking place over the months of march april may uh with the daily wage workers you know losing their income and then the migrant crisis with them you know walking home so we felt that you know something had to be done beyond just issuing checks and then mm-hmm. a group of us in india and abroad got together started a volunteer organization called daily wage worker which is now a registered ngo in india and um, we started documenting all the relief efforts that were taking place because a lot of people wanted to help but they didn't know you know who to help how to help what to do so with the support of uh, shawview consulting we started this website and also uh, jindal global university gave us a batch of students and we got to work you know using zoom and uh, whatsapp and because everybody was under lockdown but we managed to actually get a lot of information in the different cities across the country try to see what were the ngos doing what were the state governments doing what were the corporates doing to help these people and over time we saw that a lot of effort was in place and we you know managed to document almost 200 relief efforts from across the country from cities towns and villages Uh, where people came together to help these people to feed them give them healthcare give them masks give them sanitary pads for women all kinds of efforts were taking place in gurdwaras mm-hmm. uh, rwas you know with zomato and all the corporates um, state governments like kerala did a great job um, so it was a monumental effort but of course still a lot 
of gaps were there, a lot of challenges were there. Um, but, you know, we got started with that and that gave rise to the Daily Wage Worker platform, which really looks at supporting daily wage workers and migrants, with food security, with healthcare and jobs, because all three are critical to their livelihoods. And we're talking about a very large section of India's population, you know, according to the last census, okay. internal migrants are 450 million. Now, that data is from 2011. Mm-hmm. So in 2021, you can imagine it must be almost like 600 million plus, right? right. And according to the World Bank, the working uh, for the labor force in 2020 was 500 million. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of data has been uh, put together and people know that, you know, the informal sector where you have the daily wage workers and migrants and others, Right. They comprise 90% of India's working population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, a lot of them are really under a severe crisis right now. Uh, one year has passed since the lockdowns are over. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've seen from our surveys and the findings and work we've done on the ground in both the source and destination states where these migrants come from and where they go to, that the crisis has only got worse. You know, they still don't have jobs. They still don't have food security. They have very difficult time finding accommodation and, you know, access to healthcare is very tough. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, one year after the lockdowns. Lockdown. Yeah, right. And considering the data you just shared with me, Siddharth, now these migrant workers comprise of the major chunk of India's working force, right? In in the recent interview that you had with Barkhadar, she calls them invisible and undocumented. Why do you think this remains the case in our country today? So this is common to many developing countries, you know, where you have unequal economic opportunities across geographies. Mm-hmm. So it's driven by, you know, phenomenal of rural urban migration, really. And it's happening in India for decades. It's happening in parts of Africa and Latin America as well, where, you know, in our country, it's really the Eastern states, you know, Bihar, for example, Orissa, Jharkhand, where the economic opportunities are really not there. There's a lot of caste and discrimination taking place there. Um, so all these intrinsic problems have been pushing people for better opportunities into the cities. They come into, uh, you know, Delhi, Bombay, Bangalore, Hyderabad, either through contractors or through family members and get jobs there. And then they send their incomes back. But the challenge is that these people are largely semi-skilled people. They're not necessarily fully literate. And they're undocumented, you know, because they're moving constantly from one place to another. So they don't have um, Aadhaar cards. And even if they have that, they don't have ration cards. You know, they don't have election cards, don't have so many other um, documents that are so important in a country like ours to actually avail of various government benefits and entitlements. Mm -hmm. And therefore they really are an invisible workforce because, you know, uh, they move around, but they're not documented. They don't have access to all the resources that they should. Right. Right. And if we talk about some specific challenges that these migrant workers face across the country, what would you tell us? Um, So if I can just show you our survey. So one of the big challenges, of course, is the whole issue of documentation. So we started there and over the summer, a group of us got together with statisticians and NGOs and academics to actually develop a survey. And this survey was trying to address this problem. Mm -hmm. So we developed a very uh, cumbersome, but also very holistic survey that goes beyond just the name, the sex, 
and the location of a worker to actually address, you know, what, what were the experiences with their previous employer? What are their career aspirations? What skills do they have? Mm -hmm. Where do they work? Have they ever accessed government schemes? Mm -hmm. What kind of benefits have they got from employers? Um, what knowledge do they have of government schemes? And, you know, have they experienced harassment from contractors and so forth? Right. So with that documentation, which was field tested in Orisa, Mm -hmm. We actually did a survey um, over the last six months covering Orissa, covering Bihar, covering Maharashtra uh, with four NGO partners. And we actually covered 8,000 migrant workers in these three states over the last six months. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people felt that after the lockdowns, things were back to normal and you know the migrant crisis was over. Mm -hmm. But actually, in reality, what it did is it actually sort of exposed these underlying problems that these migrant workers have faced for decades. There were so many other issues, you know, that came to light. Uh, and um, if you could just give me a minute, I'd like to share my screen and actually yes. go through some of the yeah. findings that our survey shows. Yeah, sure. So if you can see my screen here, um, you can see, you know, so this is a survey that was done um, by the Daily Wage Worker Platform, Jindal Global University, and our NGOs in Bihar, Burisa, and Maharashtra from September uh, 2020 until the end of February 2021. Mm -hmm. And the findings are quite stark because it shows that, you know, 91% um, of these 8,000 workers had no knowledge of their legal rights at the workplace right. or even what government schemes they could apply for. 85% right. uh, did not receive a written contract. 81% mm -hmm. mm -hmm. belong to marginalized communities, which means low income groups exposed to so much social discrimination. 77% yeah. not, were not able to access any social security. That means all these government schemes that have been announced over the last one year, 77% mm -hmm. could not access any of these. Right. Um, 75% of the workers did not have any source of income. 67% mm -hmm. want to undergo skill development to improve their socioeconomic status. 60% mm -hmm. um, do not even have a basic entitlement to a ration card. So that tells you, you know, how are they going to actually access right. the PPS? Um, as a result of that, you know, 45% still face food shortages. 33% are harassed by contractors. 31% mm -hmm. do not have access to healthcare and 21% are illiterate. Right. So, you know, these are really the root causes of the crisis. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what's really important is the fact that, you know, 75% without jobs, it's a very disturbing number. Yes. yes. You know, 45% without any food, 30% without healthcare, and it's playing out in many ways, you know, every day. So we hear horror stories from our NGO partners who've done the work in the field, who are there in Bihar and Jharkhand and Urisa, that the plight of women, for example, has been absolutely catastrophic. Mm -hmm. A lot of women have seen a 50% fall in their income. Mm -hmm. They've suffered from huge amount of socioeconomic stress in the home place because of the lockdowns. There's been a very high increase in alcoholism, domestic violence, sexual abuse, also, you know, mental health challenges, I think have increased for everybody, but particularly yeah. for these migrants and daily wage workers, you know, locked up mm -hmm. in very, very crowded conditions with no help. Um, 
and access to any kind of counseling or anything, they've really suffered from acute uh, mental health challenges. And what's also, I think, very disturbing is the plight of the children of these workers because of the lockdowns, a lot of the public schools have been closed for largely half the year, maybe even longer. And latest data shows that 370 million kids have not had an education properly over the last one year. And that means these kids have got no midday meal because that's a big incentive mm -hmm. for these children and workers to send their kids to school, of course, to get an education, but also to get the midday meal, their big you know, meal of the day. Mm -hmm. But with the lockdown, that's not possible. The Anganwadis have been closed. And the result of that is that, you know, India today, one in three children in India are suffering from malnutrition. Yes. Yes, and if we if we look at this data, so that this is extremely heartbreaking. And amidst this backdrop, I want to understand how is DWWP looking at this problem, and what are some of the solutions that you feel can lead to some sort of holistic development? Because you have to include everyone in this journey, right? You have to include the women and children as well. So, how do you propose that we move forward? Uh, thanks, Karima. So I think uh, the solution to this problem has to really address the root of the issues, right? So we've been working in the field to try and address this. We came up with the idea initially of maybe having an app that will connect workers to jobs. Mm -hmm. But then we saw that that was a very superficial method. You know, you really need to go much, much deeper. Mm -hmm. And we've come up with the idea of Rosegar uh, Public-Private Partnership, which tries to address the real you know, challenges that we have on the ground. Uh, across the spectrum, across the states, to really reach a solution. So, if I can just share my screen again. Yes. Yeah. So, he, this is really what we're talking about the Rosegar Sahitya Manch. Mm -hmm. It's a public private partnership where we bring in the NGOs. We bring in the industry and corporate companies, we bring in the state governments, mm -hmm. and we look at addressing the root problem. So I think we need to start with the collection of data on migrants and employers, which we started with our Rosegar survey, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. We then need to connect migrants to employers. And we are already working with organizations like Bharat Shramak and Bandhu, mm -hmm. which are actually doing that connecting, you know, migrants in the East with uh, different employers and companies in Bangalore, Hyderabad, and where the jobs are. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also provide training and skills to workers to start their local enterprises. Because what we saw from the data that we found is a lot of workers do not want to go back right. to the city because of the challenges they faced. Mm -hmm. So we're working with our NGOs in Bihar and Jharkhand and Orissa to actually provide them with training and skills so that they can start their own social enterprises. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women are being trained, you know, in mushroom cultivation, tailoring micro enterprises by these NGOs. Um, a lot of the youth in particular, you know, they are able to uh, use mobile phones. They have their own social media accounts. And while the government is talking about this big gig economy and IT, we're also trying to brainstorm how can we get these people connected to jobs in the IT sector and what we're calling the sunrise industries mm -hmm. going forward so that, you know, they have a bright future. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, for these workers, we're trying to uh, work with NGOs and the local labor departments in the states 
to connect them with the government schemes. You know, there are so many government schemes that offer all kinds of relief from Mandriga mm -hmm. to healthcare to the PDS system uh, and so many other Garib Kalyan Yojana and all these other things. But unless these workers are able to understand the schemes, learn about them, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, access them, it's not going to help them. So that is something that we are working towards. Uh, another area is, of course, you know, educating workers about their rights and entitlements because we've seen there's a lot of exploitation taking place at the workplace mm -hmm. with these undocumented women, workers, children. There's a lot of child labor taking place, there's child trafficking, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's harassment at the workplace, workers are not getting paid, they're not getting any benefits, which they are entitled to under the law. Right. With the support of Jindal Global University and their law faculty, they've come up with a whole packet of uh, very good analysis and understanding of you know what are the different schemes that the government is offering mm -hmm. and also what are the rights under the new labor laws that the workers should know about and they have developed a lot of training education materials to share this information which we have also disseminated to our NGO partners and they have developed this training material in local languages mm -hmm. to explain it to the workers so that they are better informed um, they're able to access the government schemes Mm -hmm. and also reduce their level of exploitation. Right. So this in a nutshell is you know, really how we are trying to address all the different components mm -hmm. through an integrated package of services to address the migrant worker crisis. Right, right. And so that there's one question that comes to my mind now, since this section of the population has been exploited on so many levels, how easy or difficult it is for you and the other NGOs to really convince them that this time there is something better at hand and you're working consistently to help them are they really convinced that there is hope and there is something that you're really trying to do on a big scale i think unfortunately the situation on the ground is so sad it's so desperate that they will you know seek any opportunity for help and empowerment that they can get right. and our NGOs have been working with these workers for several decades of course now they're focusing directly on the migrants but they've been working with underprivileged communities in Bihar, Orissa, Maharashtra for several decades so uh, they've had access to these workers you know um, each NGO in the last one year has literally fed 50,000 workers each, you know, with charitable means and their own means. And so there is a rapport that is developed with these people mm -hmm. and they understand the commitment that people have towards, you know, supporting them. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also through, you know, what are the deep rooted challenges that I just discussed mm -hmm. and also tried and tested some of these solutions. Uh, a lot of people are working on food. A lot of people are working on health. A lot of people are working on employment But the idea of the daily wage worker platform is to bring people together, states, governments, corporates, NGOs, so we can develop models mm -hmm. that can be universally applied, systematically approached, right. and integrative solutions come to the fore so that we can address the root problems together, right. rather than doing it at a piecemeal piece. Right, right. And with the pandemic, with the lockdown, every geography had been exposed to something very peculiar. And if we talk about the migrant crisis, what do you think really happened here and what kind of revelations did we perceive? Because you did mention that there are so many layers to this problem. There are so many challenges that had been existing for way too long, but it was probably the lockdown, probably the recent situation that 
brought some light to it. What do you have to uh, say about this? Yes, I think last year, you know, a lot of things happened. Of course, there was the lockdown. There yeah. were the long marches where, you know, several thousands of migrants walked 300 kilometers across states to get home. A lot of them died and that was covered by the media and Barkha that has done an amazing job yeah. of covering the migrant issue for so long. But also, you know, seeing all the stranded workers in, in the Bombay uh, train station, seeing them walking on the streets, it really brought to light that, you know, this is a very large body of India's workforce that is highly vulnerable, you know, and um, of course, they're particularly suffering more than anybody else from, you know, because they didn't have an income, they didn't have food, they don't have housing. Uh, so the vulnerability that while everybody else who are more privileged, are, you know, locked up in their homes, they're on the streets, yeah. exposed to the virus 24 seven. Yeah. They live in such cramped conditions, you know, particularly in the slums like Harvey, where, you know, in a 12 by 12 room, you have 10, 20, 30 workers there. On a normal day, they're there in two shifts, but, you know, with the lockdown, they're there 24 seven. In these slums, you know, one public toilet is being used by 100 different people. So you can imagine the risk that they face in terms of, you know, getting exposed to the virus. And if they do get exposed, what are their chances of getting fair treatment? Very little because of the lockdowns uh, and the whole epidemic in India and everywhere else in the world. Unfortunately, all healthcare systems, resources have been diverted to, you know, either vaccine development or treatment of COVID-19. So, you know, even our surveys have shown that people with diabetes, people with hypertension, you know, with TB, for example, mm -hmm. they don't have medicines, they don't have diagnostics, yeah. they don't have any care. So these other diseases are now increasing rapidly. And that's a big challenge. Right, right. And uh, going by the data you showed us, Siddharth, there was this one uh, section, 67%, I believe, that wanted to learn skill development. What does this tell us? What does this really, um, you know, what is the message here? Because uh, amidst all the challenges that we talked about, there is, there is an element of hope. What does it tell you about their mindset? What does it tell you about what they are willing to, you know, learn and uh, build their life upon? Because the workers that we interviewed, you know, they're in the age of, 18 to 45, 50 years old. Mm -hmm. So of course the younger ones are more dynamic, agile and able to get different skills. But for the larger, older populations, it's harder. Okay. But the fact that they were open, you know, saying that, you know, we worked half our lives in a construction company. Now we want to you know, stop carrying bricks from A to B, but we actually want to do something different. And the opportunity to get reskilled so that, you know, they could get into another heavy industry where there's better you know, employment, more job security, benefits, better working conditions and hours. I think that is an aspiration that they definitely have. And, you know, we hope that through our work that we do, mm -hmm. we can practically, you know, sort of drive them in that direction and facilitate the process so that they are able to improve their, you know, socioeconomic well-being. Right, right. And also, Siddharth, if you could help us understand the entire uh, project taken up by DWWP about the documentation, especially related to the food security, the health and, you know, the vulnerabilities of these uh, migrant workers, because this documentation in itself is a huge, huge challenge. So how did the organization go about it, basically? So that's where we started. So that's why it's called a platform. It brings people, knowledge and resources together. 
Right. So a year ago, you know, we documented city-wide what was happening, what all the NGOs, corporates, and governments were doing to feed these workers. And uh, we developed a big database, you know, of information, but also getting pictures, uh, addresses, and stories of what was going on on the ground. Mm -hmm. And it was quite humbling, actually, you know, because while you had the big corporates feeding a large number of people, you even had individuals, you know, yeah. in the heat of 50 degrees in May, you had people out there feeding 100 workers individually. You know, that's an enormous commitment to do that for two months. Okay. Um, and at the same time, you know, through our findings, we also see the level of destitution that the people are suffering. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think, one big challenge. And then also, uh, you know, looking at the other sectors, so documenting what was happening in the field of healthcare. We documented what 30 NGOs were doing to provide basic healthcare to provide medicines, to provide masks. And one big challenge, of course, was, you know, for women to ac access healthcare was a big challenge. So, you know, mm -hmm. providing them with sanitary pads and other things that they needed. Um, I think that was very important. Counseling, which NGO partners did. Mm -hmm. um, and also on the food security side, we ourselves, you know, we raised 50,000 US dollars to feed uh, 30,000 workers in Dharvi last year. Uh, and we did that through a crowdfunding and social media campaign where, um, you know, we got a lot of support. We got the youth of Dharvi to actually come up together and put some music to um, compose a poem about the challenges they face. And we got a Swiss musician, artist, Jelan, to make a music video out of that, um, yeah. and which we hope to show you also. Yeah. And that video actually generated a lot of buzz. And I think we got a lot of funding support from that as well. We had jazz musicians from New Orleans supporting us with their music. Uh, we had the late Astad Debu in Bombay performing for us. Uh, we had, you know, El Subramanian's son, um, Ambi Subramanian also raising funds for us. So it was a great initiative, I think, worldwide support that we got. Uh, and then we moved to healthcare from food. So we came up with the idea of the SWAS project, which is an emergency health package. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to do that during the monsoon time with all the lockdowns and, you know, lack of healthcare. Um, and uh, we worked with various NGOs like the Smile Foundation in Hyderabad, mm -hmm. where we came together and developed the concept of a basic healthcare package, which would be provided to 3000 workers in slums using social distancing and telemedicine. Mm -hmm. So what this did actually was, you know, using mobile vans and social distancing, we managed to reach out to these communities, um, screen them for various health problems, uh, diagnose their problems, also give them, you know, uh, the free medicines they needed, the treatment they needed, and also the healthcare uh, complications that arose out of that, we managed to actually refer them to the local hospitals. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that in a time of crisis where there were so many challenges taking place, we were able to follow the norms of social distancing, but also use telemedicine to go into these remote areas and help these people and provide them with that basic health care. Mm -hmm. And I can just show my screen again. Yeah. So this is the telemedicine pilot in Hyderabad where we had uh, you know, almost 4,000 beneficiaries. 3,000 families were given soap and sanitary napkins. Mm -hmm. uh, 34 community meetings were held to increase COVID awareness. Yeah. Uh, 47 cases were referred to hospitals. We also did our own survey, similar to the Rosegar survey, where we surveyed 3,000 of these community members to assess their health-seeking behavior, the diseases they suffered from, 
the access to healthcare. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the photographs in front, so the left one, you see a woman who's come for counseling. Um, She's holding a phone and through that phone, she's talking to a doctor remotely to actually get that basic healthcare diagnosing and treatment that she needs. So whatever medicines are prescribed Mm -hmm. are given by the workers in the van to her. The middle picture is showing the survey that we talked about and, you know, Mm -hmm. getting the community to share the information about the health-seeking behavior, the diseases and their profile. Mm -hmm. And on the right, you see um, uh, community health workers giving women the hygiene kits as well as, uh, you know, following social distance norms and, you know, telling them what are the good practices to follow during Mm -hmm, COVID-19. Right, right. And... So that if we talk about all of this that you shared with us today, what I gather is small efforts lead to really big impact if we talk about community change and social development. So to conclude with, how would you urge individuals and organizations to come forward and do whatever they can in the spirit of helping these uh, migrant workers today? I think a lot needs to be done. So the first thing is really to provide an integrated package of services and move from silos Mm -hmm. to doing that because we need to address this problem on a war footing we need to do it collectively so the ngos need to you know really expand the scope of the work that they're doing to also cover you know the legal awareness training and access to government schemes in addition to skilling and you know giving food rations and healthcare. Um, the government on its part has done quite a few things so they've come up with the schemes but now they need to really work with civil society and the other partners Mm -hmm. to ensure that, you know, the benefits and access to these schemes is provided. At the same time, I think what needs to be done is um, we have three new labor laws that have come into place, Mm -hmm. which do a lot of um, good for the workers in terms of recognizing them, providing them with certain benefits. And the biggest one is the portability of government schemes, which is critical. Mm -hmm. That was one big finding that came out of this whole crisis was that, you know, benefits like, um, uh, PDS system, the healthcare schemes and the employment schemes, they need to be accessible to workers across different states because these are mobile populations. Another big, uh, I think, learning is that, you know, they need to be enfranchised. So, you know, their voting cards need to be applied everywhere. Mm. If they're, you know, residing currently in Bombay, they need to be able to vote in Bombay because unless that enfranchisement place takes place, they will not be recognized and taken seriously in their place of work. And then unless that happens, they will not, you know, move from being the invisible workforce to the documented workforce to the workforce that's empowered. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these things I think need to come together. And also the new uh, draft national migration policy for India, it needs to look at a holistic approach whereby we're looking at skill development, we're looking at employment matchmaking, we're looking at legal awareness, we're looking at training and education, Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, um, reducing the exploitation uh, that's taking place at the grassroots level. And most importantly, providing funding. And that funding needs to be done in a more sort of proactive, constructive manner rather than just giving handouts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So from whether it is state governments or corporates and to move more strategically to think about, you know, how to solve the problem, work together through public-private partnerships and support causes like ours, where we're actually looking at, for example, you know, if you look at the CSR funds that are available through mm-hmm. the corporates today, it goes into several thousand crores. Yeah. You know, every 
company is supposed to mandate it to provide 2% of their annual revenue profits to CSR. If we even take 1% of that half and direct it towards the migrant issue, in your local community, in your local state, you could fund migrants to get better jobs, to get education, healthcare. I think that's a huge win-win. Mm -hmm. So it's a great opportunity, you know, where one year after the crisis, I think if we come together as public, private and citizens, we can actually, you know, do a lot to help these people. And through that, you know, they are empowered, India is empowered, industrial development takes place. And, you know, we move towards one opportunity of actually becoming self-reliant as the Modi government keeps talking about. Right, right. And since a lot begins with awareness, I would request all listeners to follow Daily Wage Worker platform on all social media channels because there's a lot we need to learn about the migrant crisis as individuals. Thank you so much, Siddharth, for joining me today for this discussion and for sharing some really important insights. Thank you once again. Thank you. Please look at our website, dailywageworker.com. I'll make sure that I mention all the important links in the show description as well. Thank you. The world is slowing down and it's been more than just some weeks. There's something in the air that's making us a little weak. But hope amongst the thousands is a remedy we keep Close to our hearts and pray for better days and breathe The world is slowing down and it's been more than just some weeks There's something in the air that's making us silly all week But hope amongst the thousands is a remedy we keep Close to our hearts and pray for better days and breathe Tell me again, it won't last forever The outcry because of hunger Small acts of kindness by many will definitely Make this world a better Place than never Cause at times we share silly jokes To kill the rattle of time which stands Like a giant before us all Together many tiny heads And hearts full of hope Reach out to help the one next door we focus on sharing food for mind, body and soul Our parents work to meet the means But now we don't know what we'll need In the days to come and in our homes We live in ten by ten feet Look down has financially bucked us down We're on our knees Now we're fighting for a bit of human dignity The world is slowing down And it's been more than just some weeks Something in the air that's making us silly all week But hope amongst the thousands is a remedy we keep Close to our hearts and pray for better days and breathe The world is slowing down and it's been more than just some weeks There's something in the air that's making us silly all week But hope amongst the thousands is a remedy we keep Take charge and reunite our force 
to break this farce We invite you in our neighborhood to find out for yourself What is right and what is wrong So please tell us how long Will this go on? The world is slowing down and it's been more than just some weeks Something in the air that's making us silly all week The hope amongst the thousands is a remedy we keep Close to our hearts and pray for better days and breathe The world is slowing down and it's been more than just some weeks There's something in the air that's making us silly all week The hope amongst the thousands is a remedy we keep Close to our hearts and pray for better days and breathe